Everybody say that, would you? Love covers a multitude of sins. So I'm going to have a heart-to-heart. How can we reflect God's great love and forgiveness? And uh, 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. The word love here is the word agape. It means affection, goodwill, benevolence, kind of a brotherly love. Then the word cover means to hide, to veil, to hinder the knowledge of a thing, to cover a thing. Sin, now this is multitude of sins, and multitude means multitude. Sin, it means to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor, to do or go wrong. So, how many of you have ever gone through a hard time in your life when you did not make good choices and opened up doors to awful things? Looks like we're all human. Has anyone here been uh, under the stress and the hurt and pressure of life and relationships uh, turned to something other than God for comfort? Does that happen? I feel like we're all going to end up at the altar. (laughs) How many of you have come to understand your own frailty in dealing with the disappointments of life? Did it or has it taken you a long time or a short time to turn completely to the Lord for Him to manage your life and to restore you to Him? How many of you, sometimes it's a long time, depends on the thing. Sometimes it's a short time, depending on. How many of you understand the wayward side of your human life? Who has, under, who has come to understand the safety given to you by the Lord when your life comes into full disclosure of what you have done wrong? How many of you get scared before, right before that? You really get scared. Why? Because we're afraid that what we've done will create shame and rejection. Is that right? How many of you have seen the absolute faithfulness of God in dealing with you in the rough places of your life? How many of you have had significant damage in an area of your soul that is taking you some years to be restored and to begin to overcome in that area? How many of you have found that the Lord never embarrasses you over your difficulties in walking with Him. How many of you have discovered that when you are around people who treat you the same with the same love that Jesus treats you, then you are safe to step out of the dark places and be healed and recovered? How many of you experienced the amazing long-suffering of the Lord in your life. How many of you have learned to be long-suffering with the failures of others as the Lord has been faithfully patient with you? That's another lesson entirely, isn't it? 
It's one thing to have him just be so patient with you and then him start to require you to be patient with somebody else. How many of you have come to understand that just dealing with your own life is plenty of responsibility? (laughs) And that it takes way too much effort to try to control other people in the way that they live. By the way, I want to tell you this. I came down here yesterday morning and I sat with my guitar and I just worshiped the Lord and all this flowed out of me. It just came out. I just grabbed the... Okay, ready? How many of you have left the judging business and left that up to God? Now, you're all, I'm sure you're tempted. How many of you have, have learned to pray for people in their struggle for wholeness? I want to look at Jesus' attitude toward uh, those who struggle and... Uh, first thing I want to notice is this. I just think it's really interesting that the fruit of the Spirit starts with love. Right in the middle, it's got long-suffering. And at the end, it has self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, love, long-suffering, self-control. Here, have a, have a fruit of the Spirit sandwich. Go ahead and chomp down on that thing. How many of you have come to acknowledge that there are things that you really don't understand about the difficulty of other people and what they go through? Jesus had uh, many different experiences with people in the Bible. And uh, in John 5, 2.14, says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, and which is, uh, have five roofed colonnades. I believe we went there when we're in Israel. And in those days, it says, these, and these, um, they lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been invalid for 38 years. That's a long time. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. And he said, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And so while I was, you know, going another steps, another one steps in before me. And he says, well, get up and take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. And now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who was healed, It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to take up your bed. He answered to them, The man who healed me. That man said, Take up your bed and walk. And they asked, Who is the man who said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. And he says, um, Well, he said, I don't, I don't know who the man was. Uh, for Jesus had withdrawn I want to put up this scripture. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. And he said to him, See, you are well. Look at this. Look at, look at this. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The next slide says this, the man was invalid. The Greek word invalid means want of strength, fullness of health. How many of you have been there? And then he says, this is the whole implication. The implication here is that his sins had made him want of strength and feebleness of health. His sins had made him want of strength and feebleness of health. 
29 years ago, I wrote a song. Oh, the blood of Jesus purifies a weary, sin-sick soul. Oh, the blood that frees us heals the broken parts and makes us whole. And the load is getting lighter. And the day is getting brighter. For God has made my heart a fighter to put to death the bondage of my past and replace it with a freedom that will last. Forgiveness of sins releases health. James 5.14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. Jesus, when he was healing the paralytic, he said, they let him down through the roof. He says, what's it easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk. But to show you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, rise up and walk. Here again we see a person paralyzed and the forgiveness of sins releasing him into fullness of life. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. Isn't that right? But God, who is rich in mercy, wants our identity founded in His love and not in our failure. Your sins are not your identity anymore. Your sins don't define you. God defines you. And God's great forgiveness, He's got the biggest... You know, these recent uh, months, the Lord is... You know, if you've been traveling along here with us, and I just feel like weeping because God has shown glimpses of Father's heart. Glimpses of His heart. As many of you know, I've said things like, when, when you get before Him, you'll, you'll wish that you had spent every waking moment getting to know Him here. And that he, he only convicts you of those sins, those things that get in the way of the joy of who he is in our life. You know, he just really, really, really loves us. And he come, and Jesus, the deal is that so Jesus is going to come and, and take all of our sins upon himself and go and be sacrificed in our stead. And that's the beginning point of beginning to have relationship with God. He says, I don't want you basing your life upon what you did in the past. I want to, and so this is kind of the, some of the thoughts that he walks us through. Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. 
Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Psalm 103, 11 through 13. Read this with me. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. How many of you understand the, uh, when it says, as far as the east is from the west, what that really means? Does anybody know? Did you know you can go north? And you can keep going north, and then suddenly you'll start going south. But did you know if you go east, you'll always be going east? Unless you turn around. So the east is very far from the west, because if you're always headed east, as far as the east is, as long as you're headed east, so far I have removed. So far have I removed your sins from you. So far have I removed your sins from you. So far, I've removed your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. Micah 7, 19. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You know, I think it would be really good to put these inside of us in a deep way. Because again, you can tell somebody and it'll go in their head, but to inject that your identity is never based on your failure in God's eyes when you have repented. When you have said, help me. And we ask a series of questions a minute ago, and everybody in the room goes, I've been forgiven of my sins, but oh, I have struggles. In our humanness and our weakness, how many of you have ever had a blind spot that you just didn't see what you were doing for a while? And then suddenly... The Lord makes known to you what you're doing. This is why, because it takes so long to grow and so long to learn this stuff, it takes so long. I know. How many of you have had something that just creeps right back into your life? You could call it a creep. Something creeps back into your life and your thought processes and the way you... You start to be taken captivity, be taken back into captivity, something you already, already defeated and rejoiced over and won over and you lived, lived rejoicingly into the Lord. And then that's why when I see like Hezekiah said, you know, when he said, the sins that you committed are not going to come on your generation, but those after you. And he went, Phew. And instead of saying, oh no, 
what I've done is going to come on the next generation. He didn't care. Wow. The Lord's a generational blessing, God. The Lord wants to pour generational blessing down from one... There's a big song out. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. You've heard it. It's all about that. That He's going to pour and pour and pour blessing upon your life. Isaiah 43.25 Now this is an Old Testament declaration that's something that's repeated again in the New Testament, of course. Read it with me. I, I am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Now there's an argument here. Then why are you remembering them? This is really powerful. If you would have the same heart toward yourself that God has toward you, you would not struggle the way you've struggled. Sometimes I, I've thought of this before because I'm sure, surely, I mean, look, you've got the, I don't know, you've got the psychological damage, you've got the emotional, uh, you've got, the, you know, whatever. There's things that, you know, you've, you've done in your life, we've done in our lives that are just... And Jesus comes and He takes shame off of us. And what He wants us to do is to see a broken culture with His eyes. You see, a long time ago, when I was a kid, whether you knew the Lord or not, you went to church. Everybody went. And they heard in the Methodist churches, you would, you would do that call and response thing and you would do the, the Apostles' Creed and you would sing certain hymns and so on and there would be a certain theology and you felt like you were supposed to live right. And guess what? They don't have that in them now. There's not this, I feel like I should live right inside of them anymore. And there's a great darkness... I want to go ahead and say this. There's a great darkness that's come over the earth and people are believing something that is just so deceptive and hurting so many people. It's just rough. And there's going to be something that happens in the next, like, what, three to four or five months that's going to be really, really shocking, shaking, all this kind of stuff. But God Himself is coming into our midst and He's going to release worldwide revival and power. So keep your eyes on Him. Keep your eyes on Him. Keep your eyes on Him. Don't be shaken. Don't be shaken. Don't be judgmental. I used to think, you know, we had to stand like, you know, have this like place. You know, you know like this is right, this is wrong. You know what I'm saying now? Look. Well, I'll get to the Scriptures. <laughs> Everybody, I'll say, it, I'll say it now. Everybody's going to stand before the Lord and answer for themselves. And I don't answer for you. I answer for what I taught you. I answer for what I pr promoted in front of you. I answer for that. You answer for how you lived. You stand before the Lord with that. I don't stand before the Lord there. You stand before the Lord there. And the fear of the Lord filled the room, didn't it? Hebrews 8, 
12 says, I love this. Say it together. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. That is that kind of that copy of that other one. Back up on the other one right quick. The other one says, the, I am... Uh, I blot out your transgressions for my own sake. Come on now. Let that just... This is the heart of a wonderful father who wants the best for you to come alive. This is the heart of a father that says, I don't want that to be the way I think about you. You don't want that to be the way you think I think about you. Isn't that right? So the, the next one, be merciful toward, I will be merciful toward your iniquities. By the way, the iniquities, this whole thing here, is, sins are what you, you know, sins are the, your missteps, your things that you do, then of course transgressions, breaking, crossing the line, all this. Iniquities are more of deeply embedded. They're like the, the patterns of your failure that you don't see. Like, like I remember going through deliverance way back. And I remember I was so happy to repent of my sins, but I was blind to what I grew up in. And the iniquities were much more difficult because when it came to the family darkness, it was woven a little deeper. And I was kind of like, this is hard. This is achy. This is, oh my gosh, am I really? Hello? Oh, and then you got up and you repent deeper and you go, I can't believe I'm like this. How many of you have stuff passed down that's just, you wish you didn't have it? Well, this is what the Lord says about that. He says, I'll be merciful toward all those inner struggles. And I'll remember your sins no more. And here's the key. If we confess our sins, First John, let's read it together. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you can, um, go high-five yourself. There you go. <laughs> now, the antithesis of God's attitude is the devil's attitude, and the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Revelation 12, 10 through 20, it says, And I heard with a loud voice in heaven saying, Now... The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of us Christ has come because what look for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses him day and night before our God. Somebody say hallelujah. When you accuse yourself, you're partnering with him. When you accuse others, you're partnering with him. For the Lord says, I'm not going to remember your iniquities anymore. I'm not going to do that. And uh, so, the uh, Proverbs, uh, well, uh, this is not up there, but the Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Here we go. This is the, the last scripture that I have. I said this a minute ago. That every single person takes responsibility for their own life. 2 Corinthians 5.10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. When I, 
wrestling with my iniquities and the, the struggle of life, and I, I think of that Scripture, I just get really nervous. You know, I need help. And uh, we are in a, a season where the Lord's going to just cause a lot of things to come up. So let's lift her just for a minute. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask for each person here, as you even showed me earlier, there would be like a gentle fire resting on each head. As this, the gentle fire rests on each head, that we would be a light in the darkness. A light in the darkness. And I pray, Father, that along with Peter, we would say, we're going to keep loving each other earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. I ask, Lord, right now, because in a message like this, there's this fragile side of us where the Holy Spirit is not mean, He's not mean, but He points something out. And you can feel so quickly ashamed, but the Lord is not coming with shame. He comes with a sweet conviction. And right now, whatever He has moved in your heart, just say, forgive me, Jesus. Whatever He's lighting, highlighting to your heart, say, forgive me, Lord. Now, I know the devil. The devil's really smart at saying, you've already repented that, and you, you don't even mean it. The devil is a liar, man. Because he comes at you in your frailty, he comes at you when you're, you're struggling, and he tries to make it where you'll never make it. But Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit is on your side, and he's bringing, and Jesus is your advocate before the Father, and he's already carried the weight of that before the Father, and he's give, forgiven you. Would you receive the love that he intended you to walk in even right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on up, honey. It's so good to be reminded about the love of God and the forgiveness of sins and uh, that He is our advocate, that uh, He died and rose again, sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, making intercession, which means making prayers for us. And uh, we, don't have to, we don't have to struggle. And in this house, you do not have to struggle. There's always someone here that we can pray with you. Um, we may be wearing masks, but we will pray with you. And uh, so at this point... Our service is over because we are having a very short leadership meeting. So those of you who received an email from us, would you please remain seated for a few moments? And the ushers will uh, excuse those who will not be joining us. Thank you. Wonderful being with you. We look forward to seeing you uh, next week with uh, President Glenn Burris.